Hello, and welcome to the My Care Champion cast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Laura Hall of the Michigan Health and Hospital Association. This podcast series covers key issues surrounding healthcare in Michigan and how you can help protect the health of your community. For our seventh episode, we're talking about sepsis and getting the patient and caregiver perspective on this serious illness. Sepsis is the body's life-threatening response to infection, which can result in tissue damage, organ failure, and death. It kills hundreds of thousands of Americans every year, and it's something Michigan hospitals are working hard to combat. We'll talk to three guests today about what sepsis is and what signs people should watch for when they or their loved ones are sick. First, we'll talk to Rebecca Thomas from Harrison Township. Rebecca is a friend of mine, and she was hospitalized with sepsis recently after what seemed like a normal virus turned serious. I've been sick for a couple of days, and I think I realized that things were more serious than I originally thought when my fever would go up and stay up, and it was really high. Um, the one time that we took it using an in-ear thermometer, which I'm not sure how accurate those are, um, it was 104.8. I took a cold shower and um, tried to drink some water and get it down, and it had only gone up to 105.1. So. I knew that there was something seriously wrong at that point, and that's when we made the decision to go to the hospital. And so what was your experience like then getting to the hospital, and, you know, what happened after that? So we checked in, and we were in the emergency room for quite a while. They ran some tests. We didn't really know what was wrong, but immediately with the fever and my heart rate, they immediately started treating me for sepsis, and then I had some other tests and the chest x-ray showed that I had pneumonia, and apparently getting sepsis with pneumonia is pretty common. So they were pretty quick to act and get IV antibiotics going, so the first round and then the second round. At that point, my fever had actually gone up again, and I was uh, my heart rate was still pretty high, so they decided to keep me, and then the next couple days were just being treated with antibiotics and trying to keep the fever under control. Uh, what was happening with your heart rate, I guess, at that point? My heart rate was staying up pretty elevated. It was staying in the 160s and really didn't start to come down until the next day. What sort of testing or how did the medical professionals um, identify that you had sepsis? Did you, did you say they kind of figured that out relatively early? or? Yeah, they were going based on the fact that I had a super high fever and that um, I was having a super high heart rate and they you know based on that they kind of made the decision that they needed to treat me for it and then later on it was through um, the blood cultures that they came in and took they took a lot of blood and they did that over a couple of days and so what was the recovery like so after you got out of the hospital how long till you got back to normal and kind of felt 100 percent it took me about a month to feel better One of the things that I didn't expect was that I was going to pick up every bug I came in contact with after I'd been in the hospital. I was down and out with a stomach bug, and then I got hand, foot, and mouth. And these are things that I don't typically get. I work in a school. I've been around kids a lot. Um, These are things that typically don't come up and, and take me down the way that these did. So every time that I started to feel a little bit better, I was knocked down by something else. So it took me a good month to not feel exhausted all the time and to have the energy to start working out and eating 
correctly again. I felt for a long time I didn't have an appetite. I think that had to do with some of the antibiotics that I was on. You know, people with poor immune systems or older people or very young people are at most at risk for sepsis, but you're a young, healthy person. You know, you don't, this isn't normal for you, right? No, no, I've I've never had pneumonia. I've never been hospitalized. I've never had anything like this, which I think made it harder for us to identify that there was something wrong. I just kept thinking it was a virus and I just needed to let it run its course. But it, when that fever went up and stayed up and was that high, I realized there was no reason that it should be like that, especially considering I'm generally pretty healthy. So what do you think um, other people should know after hearing your story and learning about this? To go with your gut. If something feels wrong, see a doctor. Call a doctor. Um, One of the things that we did before we went to the emergency room was to call my primary care physician and sort of explain what was going on to her because I really didn't think there was a need to go to the hospital. I really thought this is going to run its course. Uh, She said to, you know, a fever of 103 might be something that she could get around and say, you know, okay, you can treat that at home, but not as high as it was. And with my heart rate, what it felt like it was, um, one of the things we were able to see with my heart rate on my Fitbit was was sky high. So um, once she determined, hey, this is a problem, we went in and um, went to the hospital. So... If something seems wrong or seems abnormal, again, this is not something that typically happens to me. Um, If something seems abnormal, get it checked out. Next, Corinne Pope, Patient Safety and Quality Coordinator at the MHA Keystone Center, shares more information about sepsis and what hospitals are doing statewide to combat it. So sepsis is actually the body's response to an infection, right? So you get an infection first, and then normally you have antibodies that will fight off the infection. Sepsis comes in when your body kind of goes against itself and starts working against you, so fighting your body. There's actually three stages to it. So there's sepsis, which is what I just said, the body's just response to any infection. And then there is um, severe sepsis, which is actually the, it brings in the organ dysfunction. So your mental status can change or you have difficulty breathing or your kidneys start not working right. And then you have um, septic shock, which is actually the more intense form of it. And that's where you actually, your blood pressure drops to a pretty dangerous level. So we got those three stages. Majority of the time, once you reach severe sepsis, you're going to the ICU for treatment. How common is this? And you know, why should the average person care about sepsis? Yeah. So sepsis is actually more common than people think. Uh, I don't think people realize what sepsis is until somebody in their life gets it. So uh, it's actually more than 1 million people are affected with sepsis every year in the United States. And then 700 people die each day from sepsis. So it's very common. Uh, It costs the United States more than $24 billion every year to try to treat. And it's actually the third leading cause of death in the United States. So I think it's something that people need to be aware of because it's something that sneaks up on you. And if you're not entirely sure what it is, you're not prepared for what it entails to, one, get better, but two, to help the person or yourself uh, recovering from it. Mm-hmm. And so what are what can hospitals do to um, redu- reduce the risks to patients and to protect patients? So to reduce the risk, I think the main thing is hospitals need to screen every single patient that they see. So by doing this, they're actually ensuring that they are starting the fluid boluses and the antibiotics, everything that's appropriate that the patient needs to get as soon as possible. The earlier they get it, the chances are cut in the mortality rate. 
So I think um, screening for sepsis is one of the big things that people need to do. And then um, just getting the information out there to patients that if you get an infection, you know, this is another step that can happen. So when you say screening every single patient, do you mean anybody who has an infection or just yeah. anybody who's coming in? I would actually recommend anybody that's coming in, anybody that's going to be in your inpatient area and has an infection, absolutely screen for sepsis. But there's nothing wrong with screening for sepsis just on any single person. And what's, what's entailed in the screening? So you want to check for, you know, the infection is the first one. So it starts off the sepsis. And then you are going to want to check, you know, their organist function and just seeing if they feel weird. There's a card, actually, that the Sepsis Alliance has that ha- goes through each individual step of what sepsis is. What is happening, I guess, in terms of um, sepsis prevention and sepsis awareness here in Michigan? Yeah, so the MHA Keystone Center has been partnering with uh, one of our contractors, Pat Poza from St. Joseph Mercy and Arbor. She is one of our clinical experts and is uh, one of the nationally known people in America for sepsis. So we've been partnering with her to do simulations across the state. We have completed four in 2017 in the UP, we've completed one in mid-Michigan, Western Michigan, and Southeast Michigan. So these simulations usually involve physicians, nurses, rep response teams, and sometimes coders, but it's really a way to get the frontline staff to understand what to look for when identifying sepsis and the proper steps to take once they identify that somebody has it. And so those will also continue into 2018 as it has been a, I would say, a hot commodity for people to want to go to. With these simulations, are you... I mean, I'm assuming, I'm imagining kind of literally bringing in this team and having a fake case come through that turns out to be, you know, a patient who is septic. Is that more or less how the day runs? Yeah. Yep. So we have actually three scenarios. So we'll do one where the patient is um, admitted into the ICU and the ICU team usually are typically the ones that go through that one. But yeah, the patient has sepsis. However, the team has to identify that. So the criteria is going to be different on each patient. They're not going to have the same symptoms. And it's just basically the teams being able to understand, okay, they've met this. We give them a checklist. They've met these three areas. Now they have severe sepsis. Here's what we're going to start doing. We're going to start, start administering the 30 milliliters per kilogram fluid boluses and start the antibiotics. Um, and so what results are we seeing from these efforts so far? So I think the biggest things that we're seeing is that people are understanding more what they're supposed to do. There's a lot of confusion because the sepsis definitions have changed a lot in the past few years. So I think there's always been a little bit of a confusion, but these simulations really help to bring all that education together and for people to understand exactly what they're supposed to do. And then they can bring that back to their facility and say, hey, I learned this today. This is what a clinical expert told us, national expert, and this is how we need to move forward with our sepsis programs. It feels like there's been a lot of efforts around the simulations and kind of getting the word out more. Is there a reason why there's more focus on this now than maybe in the past? So um, I think it's more or less we are starting to recognize as a nation how big and how important sepsis is. I think people didn't understand before that it kills so many people and affects so many people. And now that we understand how many people it affects, we really need to focus on it. And the rates for mortality have gotten pretty high nationally, not just in Michigan. So I think that's one of the things that we really want to focus on is getting that mortality rate lowered. And so what can people do to kind of support these efforts or get involved? Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, the, there's a group, Sepsis Alliance. There's quite a few national groups. Um, Sepsis Alliance has a card that patients can just have for their own education. So it's um it actually goes through what you think that you, or what you're going to feel when you're getting sepsis. So it kind of prepares you. The symptoms the symptom actually spells out sepsis. So it goes through your first symptoms going to be shivering and then extreme pain, and then you're gonna have paler discolored skin. You're gonna be sleepy or confused. You're gonna feel like you're you, I feel like I'm gonna I might die is what you're gonna be thinking to yourself. 
And then you're going to have shortness of breath. So having that and thinking that to yourself, are you experiencing any of these symptoms? If you are, go to the emergency room right away and say, I think I might have sepsis. Here's what I'm feeling. Um, there's also ways where if you have somebody who has been affected by it, you can participate in 5Ks to raise awareness for it, or you can donate money to these types of events so that awareness is being raised and more people are becoming, steps to become more known to people. Um, and also just being your own advocate. I think patients need to, you know, understand what it is. The doctors aren't always going to know. So if you know your body better than anybody else and you feel these symptoms, there's nothing wrong with going in and saying, I don't feel right. Please check me for this. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that you're safe. So, um, are there certain risk factors in terms of sepsis? People who should be more concerned than the average person? Yeah. So typically, obviously, as most people might not know, but it can affect anybody. But typically, the most at risk are going to be the very young, the very old, and then um, those who have a lot of previous medical history. So get infections a lot. Anybody who's in the hospital who's going in with an infection, you know, just be very, have them be very careful with you. Make sure they're constantly checking you. Those people are going to be the highest risks. Next, Pat Poza, quality excellence leader at St. Joseph Mercy Health System, talks about what caregivers are doing at the bedside to help patients who may have sepsis. As a caregiver, why is sepsis such a big concern? We know it kills five to 700 people a day in the United States. And um, even though in hospitals only 10% of our patients have sepsis, it's responsible for um, 30 to 50% of the deaths in the hospital. What happens, what is happening in the body, I guess, when somebody gets sepsis? Well, so what happens in, in the body is our body responds, and, and that uh, response uh, systemically is called the systemic inflammatory response syndrome. And, and uh, um, what, some of the signs of that syndrome are the fever that's greater than 36, or in our elderly, we often see a fever less than 36, uh, elevated heart rate um, in the 90s or above, and uh, um, uh, white count that's either very high, um, greater than 12,000 or less than 4,000, um, or um, we see um, uh, respiratory rate um, greater than 20. So if we have a couple of those signs together with an infection, that person has sepsis, and and Physiologically, what's happening in the body is uh, some systems begin to dysfunction because what's happening in the body is a a number of substances called cytokines get released, and they cause an increased inflammatory response, and they cause uh, coagulation to be ignited. So we all of a sudden are making clots, yet we aren't effectively breaking those clots. So what happens in essence is we have not enough oxygen getting to the tissues, and so the organs begin to dysfunction because they're deprived from oxygen. And so when you see organ dysfunction, then that's the patient that's in beginning to be in trouble and is in severe sepsis. And it's a medical emergency, and we need to act um, in a very rapid fashion, similar to what we do with uh, acute MIs and strokes, time is tissue with sepsis. And what is what is the response like within the care team? That rapid response. Well, you, it's important for hospitals to to develop rapid. Uh, 
identification processes and intervention uh, processes so that similar to um, hospitals having processes for what they do with someone that comes in with chest pain. They have standardized processes and they do certain things in a rapid fashion because they know that uh, that patient's life depends on it. And it's the same with sepsis. We ha have put in place in hospitals early recognition processes um, where we screen patients for sepsis on a routine basis. And then when we find severe sepsis, um, sepsis or severe sepsis, we apply evidence-based interventions in a rapid fashion um, to the patients. What are you seeing in the fight against sepsis in terms of, you know, either results, improvements in some of these outcomes or changes in attitudes? Well, so I've been um, in practice as a nurse uh, for over 35 years. And when someone early on in practice, uh, when someone got septic, it was a flip of a coin whether they would survive. So mortality rates were above 50%. And we, since the guidelines have been put in place and some key, key um, studies have been done that support, that are the basis for those guidelines, we've seen mortality drop in half. Mortality at, at our facility used to be like the national average, 40 to 50% um, for patients in septic shock, and we're under 20% now. And so people now know that it's not a death sentence and, and that we can do something about it. And so people attitudes have changed in the sense that this is really important and we can do something about it and we have to have a united front to recognize it early and uh, and get early treatment. What can people do to protect themselves or their family members, um, you know, in terms of sepsis and catch, helping catch this, I guess, early? Well, it, it's really understanding that um, who, people at risk, um, and that's our very old and our very young, um, and then also people with chronic diseases have to um, really work to prevent themselves from getting infections. And, and how do they do that? Well, if it's a chronic disease, manage that chronic disease well. Um, so you're set up to not get an infection. But then it's good hand washing. You're using the, the, you know, the antibacterial um, uh, uh, products out there to uh, do that frequently, especially as we're now entering that cold and flu season, uh, you know, sneeze into your elbow and, and use hand sanitizer. And then if you have wounds or cuts, treat them appropriately. Uh, keep them clean and dry. Um, and, and then begin to understand that any infection can lead to sepsis. And uh, know those early warning signs. Know those signs of if there's shortness of breath, uh, high heart rate, um, your family member is getting confused or is a little disorientated, shivers, rigor, you know, where you're shaking, um, uh, clammy skin, those are things that you need to get into medical treatment. And what can medical providers do if they haven't already been involved in efforts or they're not seeing efforts like this, I guess, and where they're working? Well, so they, they, they need to ask some questions in their organization. Do we have a, a, a defined sepsis program here at 
at um, the hospital that I work at or the other health care facilities, urgent cares, skilled nursing facilities, um, any facility that's touching patients. Do we have the ability, do we have the knowledge, and um, do we have processes in place for early recognition and uh, immediate management of patients that have sepsis? Um, and what, find out what your mortality rates are, what's the incidence, and what, what are your processes, and how can you help um, make those processes better? There are training events that are happening around the state to kind of help um, run through a simulated sepsis um, case. Yeah, we've been doing, um, in, so in 2017, we went throughout the state um, providing education on sepsis, but then having people practice through simulation how to effectively recognize and then manage a patient that's in severe sepsis and septic shock. Practice makes perfect, right? And so simulation is a great way um, for teams because it takes a team to to manage this population and and to work together as a team for um, to recognize it appropriately and get all of those evidence-based interventions in in a timely fashion. You can help by spreading the word about sepsis and the warning signs people should look out for. I'll share a link to the card Corinne talked about in the show notes. For medical professionals who are interested in learning more, you can reach out to the MHA Keystone Center at mhakeystonecenter.org. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Let me know what you think. Leave us a review or email us at communicate at mha.org. We'll be taking a break over the holiday season, but we'll be back in January with the next episode of the MyCare Champion Cast.